Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to be here. We are uh, continuing our series, week two of our Facts series, um, where we were doing frequently asked questions. So uh, we posed a question on Instagram a couple days ago. Um, which was, why do you pray? And uh, we got a number of responses um, from you guys that were all really, really good. Um, things like to connect with God, to relate to God, to, uh, to get peace from God, to, to clear my mind and, and to talk with God, to be with God. And so uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this evening is the question, why do you pray? We're going to be in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 22 uh, in the Bible or on the Bible app if you want to follow along on the uh, events page and then uh, Calvary Vero, the factory, and uh, you can follow along my notes there. The the question uh, this evening I thought was very interesting. Why do you pray? That question implies that you pray, right? Why do you pray implies that you do pray. And so I was thinking and considering that, and so I was interested to see the number of people in the world that pray. So I did a little bit of research and found this study that that was uh, uh, done a couple years ago. Uh, there was approximately like 35,000 people surveyed to find and to see the, some stats on prayer. Uh, uh, across the board, daily, about 55% of these people pray. That's pretty good. Daily, 55% of these people pray. Weekly, about 16%. Monthly, about 6%. That means that at 77% of people pray at least monthly. That's pretty crazy, right? 77% of people pray. But the interesting thing about this study was it wasn't specific on who you were praying to. So whoever you wanted to pray to, praying counts. Uh, A number of these people, when asked uh, if they pray, or if they believe in God, uh, a a ton of people said that they were unsure whether or not they believed in God or a God. And in those number of people, about 60% of those people pray at least monthly. And they're unsure if they believe in God. 44% of people around your age pray daily. Or monthly, sorry. Monthly. So monthly, 44%. With all the stats, we can say that people pray. Whether it's Muslims on their prayer mats, Jews at the Wailing Wall, Catholics saying Hail Marys, Protestants going to God through Jesus, or atheists calling on the universe, people pray. People pray. We pray. And We find ourselves in a world that is surrounded by prayers and people praying, but oftentimes we don't know how to pray. In the situation that we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 11, the disciples are in the same boat. They live in a world that that they know how to pray, 
or they, sorry, they know when to pray, they know what to pray, but they don't know how to pray. I think we live in, in, in a, a same situation. We know when to pray before meals, or I'm going to do it after I read the scripture before I tell my story. It's a perfect little segue. And, and we know what to pray, that God would bless the food, that he would give us peace. But sometimes we lack in understanding on the posture and the position that we come to God in, in prayer. And so my goal this evening is to teach us to pray, but not for you to learn how to pray like me, but to learn to pray like Jesus. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it goes like this. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, he, Jesus, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord God, I pray that you would come and fill this place. Lord, as we sang, Lord, would you meet us here in this place again? Lord, fill uh, our hearts with your presence. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to set aside distractions for a couple minutes and to focus in on you right now. Lord, I, I pray that we won't miss out on what you're doing in this moment right now. Lord, we'd slow down and we'd be present right here, right now. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love to talk to myself. Anybody like to talk to themselves? I talk to myself so much. I actually kind of got busted talking to myself today. It was kind of awkward. I was like standing right here pacing around, like going over my Bible study and like teaching my Bible study like right around here. And then all of a sudden I look back and Woggy had like snuck into the back. I was like, oh God, hey, hey Woggy. How's it going? I wasn't talking to myself. Uh, but I, I love to talk to myself. I'm always talking to myself. I love to talk. I like the sound of my own voice. I like the way that it feels to figure out what's in my brain and then to make it come out of my brain. I talk all the time. I am in the kit and all the time I'm with Julianne and I'm talking and I'm telling just today I was like going through the, like the Luke 11 thing is like a parallel to uh, Matthew chapter 5 and I was, or Matthew chapter 6 and I was like talking to her and she was like super overwhelmed with work and being a mom and I'm talking I was like is this okay and like the look in her face was like no please stop it's not okay but I love to talk. I, 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 when I'm driving, I can hardly listen to music or I've been listening to podcasts lately because I'm turning into a millennial and uh, I'm listening to a podcast and, and like, I'm like, I can't do it. I can't listen. I have to fake my own podcast. So I'm driving down and I'm like acting like I'm being interviewed on a podcast and I'm just talking and talking to myself. And there's studies that actually prove that talking to yourself to yourself is incredibly beneficial. A lot of times things are slurring around in our minds and to be able to articulate them is kind of uh, cleaning up what's going on and being able to center yourself and focus on something that you can't really do inside your own head. And sometimes, I'm not gonna lie, when I'm talking to myself and when I'm praying, it feels exactly the same. 
When I'm sitting there and I'm doing a silly, fake uh, podcast about how I'm a pro skater and I'm telling my whole journey on how I got became pro, and when I'm sitting there and I'm praying out loud behind the same steering wheel, it feels oddly similar. Sometimes we can be incredibly discouraged in our prayer life because it feels like we're just talking to ourselves. And now there are benefits to talking to yourself. However, prayer has all the more benefits. My message title this evening is Not Just Talking to Yourself. In Luke chapter 11, he is, uh, Jesus is, is off praying, and when he is done praying, the disciples come up to him and ask a, a question that I think a lot of us are, are wanting to ask, but we don't know how to ask. And they say, teach us to pray. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. A lot of, of stories in scripture are, are happened after he prayed, happened just before he went to pray, and Jesus' life was built on a rhythm of prayer. And he asked, his disciples ask him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And I, I love it because he doesn't give any instruction. He just starts praying. They're like, would you teach us to pray? And he just goes, our Father in heaven. He, he just begins praying. And through the words of Jesus' prayer, we see how we may pray. Jesus gives us clear direction on the approach that we come to God in. Uh, when we come in conversation uh, to different people, it is good to have different approaches in the conversation. At a uh, winter retreat, it was hilarious, best, one of the best moments ever. Nate was sitting there, and a student came up to him. I can't remember what they said, but it was something along the lines of like, hey, yo, bruh, bruh, to Nate. And Nate just goes, start over. <laughs> like such a dad. That there, when we come to someone, there are, there are proper approaches to, way that, to the way you talk to them. Jesus gives us the proper approach that we come to in prayer. He says first, he says, our God, sorry, our Father. He starts by saying, our Father. When Jesus would say this, we are kind of used to this idea of, of God being Father. We just saying our, our Father is welcoming. This is our homecoming. That This is an idea that we understand. But in the context that Jesus would be teaching his disciples to pray, this would have been a revolutionary idea. Because at the time, people were, would not see God as a loving father, but as a king and Lord Almighty. All through the Old Testament, you see that God is referred to as the Lord of heaven's armies. That he is separate, he is in the heavens, that he is, he is different and he is holy. And, there is, and the way that they related to, the, to him was through work and through striving and through sacrifices. And Jesus says, the way that you are to approach God is by saying our father. We need to understand that our approach to God is centered around number one relationship. That we have a relationship with God. He is our loving father. Like Pete was talking about, he came to us to bring us life and life abundant. That we have access to God as our father. There, there is a verse in the New Testament that, that says that we can walk boldly into the throne room of God 
and to find help in our time of need. That we have access to God's bedroom. That we can walk boldly into God's room in the middle of the night, crack open the door and say, God, I, I threw up. That we have access to God as our Father. There is not distance between us and God. Sometimes we feel like when we pray, we need to come and say, uh, uh, God, God, it's me, Shane. I know we haven't spoken in a while. Um, do you remember me like I'm in Vero Beach, Florida? <laughs> like I'm 23, kind of awkward. Do you remember creating me? I don't know. That we, we have access to God as our Father. But look at what he says next. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, he says, our Father who is in heaven, and he says, worthy is your name. Separate is your name. That we have access to God as Father, but God is holy. God is separate. That God is different. That God is more powerful. That God is hallowed and respect. He is the king. That we have access to God in, in, from the point of relationship, and we should also come to him through reverence. Understand who it is that we're talking to. Our approach should be, God, you are my father, and you are loving, and you are caring, but you're also able. You're separate. You're in heaven. You're powerful. You're king. And then Jesus moves on from relationship and reverence, and he begins his request. He goes on to say, give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our people who are indebted us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. After he begins by, by saying, our Father uh, in heaven, he goes on to make his requests known to God. Most of the time when we think of prayer, we think about our request. We think of what we're asking God for, what we're asking God to do. And that is good. Keep asking. Jesus would say, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That we are to make our requests known to God. But we need to come from a place where we understand that we are allowed to come talk to him. And that God is able to help us. That we have access to God through Jesus, and we are talking to a God that is able to do things in our life. And then we make our requests known. Jesus, uh, doing this prayer, it's also um, kind of paralleled in Matthew chapter 6, a separate time where he uh, is teaching people to pray. And he does a prayer that is very, very similar, but there are words that are just slightly different. And in that, we see that he says, when you pray, say this, but it's not a, a model that we have to repeat, but it's a, a model that we, we, it's like a rubric, if you will. We come to God in relationship and in reverence, and then we make our requests made known to him. Sometimes I feel like we might think that we are not good at praying because we don't have super elo eloquent, like really thought out prayers. Like sometimes we can be in a prayer meeting. Everybody's grandma is like this. If you have a, a Christian grandma, they're a better prayer than you. 
for whatever reason. That God just fills grandmas with his Holy Spirit to pray powerfully. And, and so sometimes we can be in a prayer room or in a prayer meeting or other people praying. And they're like bouncing around, scripture references, super good. Like they're just moving through. And we can be intimidated by their prayers. And we think that we are not good at praying. Our prayers do not need to be elegant or eloquent to try to convince God or try to manipulate God into helping us. We come to God in a place of relationship and reverence, and we can ask anything of him. Most of the time, you don't even need to start by saying like, our God in heaven, or dear God, or dear Lord, or dear Father, or as the internet likes to kind of meme, like dear Sky Daddy. We don't need to come to God with that. Most of the time, my prayers sound like this. Help! And, and even more so does it sound like this. Oh, come on, Lord. I'm watching the Dodgers in the playoffs. I'm like, come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. And, and, and even those prayers, when coming in the correct in the proper position and posture of, I have access to you, God. I have access to a God who is willing to help me and who is able to help me. Even the prayers that are, are not beautiful, that are, are not good, like you don't think that you convince anybody else to do anything for you the way that you're talking to God, but God is still there to listen and he is there to help. So that's how to pray. We come from a, a place of relationship and reverence, and then our requests are made known to God. So why do we pray? It's because prayer changes things. Point number, whatever, however you want to label it. The next point is this one. Sure. Prayer changes things. There is a story in, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus uh, receives word from, from Mary and Martha, who are close friends of his, that, that their brother is sick and is dying. Their brother is named Lazarus. Jesus receives word from them, and he is moved with compassion. It's a really strange story because he kind of hangs around where he is for a little while, and then he makes his way over there. He's sick when he receives word or and when Jesus receives word, by the time that Jesus makes it to Lazarus, Lazarus is dead, and he's actually been dead for four days. Jesus says, let's open up the tomb, and they're like, whoa, 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 Jesus, this guy's been dead for four days. He stinks. Like, it smells really bad in there. And, and, and they open it up, and, and Jesus, he goes in, and he calls Lazarus back to life. He, he's raised back to life. And in that story, you can see that Mary and Martha making requests to Jesus is what made Jesus go to Lazarus and raise him from the dead. Lazarus would have only died once in his life if, if Jesus did not receive word from the people that were asking of him. Let me tell you that prayer, talking to God, reaching out to God, it changes things. There's a story in the Old Testament that's Really, really confusing. There's a, a place called Sodom that is super evil, super wicked, and God says that he's going to destroy them, going to wipe them out. And Abraham, who was a, a follower of God, he, 
he says, he says, wait, God, don't, don't destroy Sodom. What if I go in there and, and I can find 50 people that are righteous? Would you destroy the righteous and the wicked together? And God's like, no, not if you can find 50 people. Everyone's like, okay, cool. What if I can find 45 people? And God's like, 45, go for it. Everyone's like, okay. And he goes, wait, what if I can find 40 people? God's like, sure. He's like, sweet. 20? God's like, absolutely. If you can find 20 righteous people, it won't be destroyed. And he's like, 10? And he, and he keeps talking. There's this conversation where God is going to destroy Sodom, but Abraham interceding and talking to God changes the situation. You see what I'm saying? G- Mary and Martha reaching out to Jesus changed the situation. Prayer has the power to change situations. Sometimes we can misunderstand the power of prayer and think that our prayers go unanswered because we didn't ask God for what he was already gonna do. Sometimes we can think of prayer as almost like a guessing game of like, okay, I want to pray what I think God is gonna do anyways. Prayer has the power to change situations. Prayer moves the hand of God. Just as we were discussing earlier that, that we were inviting God's presence into this place, saying, Lord, meet us here again. We recognize the fact that, that God is everywhere. God is omnipresent, means he is everywhere, all at once, all the time. But then there is a, a special thing when we ask God to come fill a place, to, to more consistently or more saturated his presence would be, that he could come fill a room, that he could be here. And the same way, we can pray to God and we can change what he is actively working on, so to speak. We can pray, Lord, would you do this? And it was something that wasn't going to happen unless we ask God to do it. Are you tracking with me? Prayer has the power to change situations. Prayer isn't just us asking God for things and he only answers when we ask for something he was already going to do. Prayer moves the hand of God and it has the power to redirect what God is working on. When we go to God in prayer, recognizing our relationship, recognizing who God is, and we are asking God for things, it has the power to to move God into the direction of fixing things. But I know what a lot of you guys are thinking. I've been praying for something for a really, really, really long time, and it's never happened. And it's a good thing. Like maybe, maybe you're thinking right now, I've been praying for healing over my body or for someone else or for a sickness or for a disease or an injury, and uh, God hasn't healed me yet. Or maybe you've been praying that your, your family, your home situation would be more safe and more peaceful and less chaotic. And the, the more you pray, it seems like the worse things get. Or maybe you, you're praying and, and you're depressed and you're coming to God or you're anxious. And the more you pray, it seems like the, the more you're around godly people, the worse it seems. And you're going to God, and you're asking God, and the situation isn't changing. So when you hear me say that prayer has the power to change situations, prayer moves the hand of God, you're like, okay, whatever. 
we would have a small view of prayer if we only thought of prayer as kind of a wishbone or God was a genie. God is powerful enough to, to take our requests and not to be intimidated by, by our requests and our asks. But God is also powerful enough to, to change not only our situation, but to change us. Point number seven, Robert Craig, you think so? Maybe eight now. Prayer changes you. In Luke chapter 22, this is uh, before Jesus was arrested and, and beaten and tried and ultimately crucified, died, rose again. Uh, he went to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And in, in the garden, he's with his disciples and he is, he is praying and he is in agony. And it says that he is praying and his sweat is like drops of blood. That he is seeking the face of God and he is running to the face of God asking for help. And in Luke 22 verse 41, it says this, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, this is Jesus, and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. I told you that um, I wanted to teach you to pray like Jesus. Sometimes uh, this prayer here is like the most like Jesus prayers that we make. Because Jesus says, he's asking God, and another passage that records this, he, he says, Lord, could you take this cup of suffering from me? He is referring to the cross. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that he is going to be, be murdered on the cross for the sake of all humanity, that he's going to be forsaken on the cross by God. He knows what's coming, and he is asking God, could you take this cup away from me? He says, Lord, I don't want to go to the cross. If, if it is at all possible, could you take this cup of suffering away from me? But we all know the end of the story, right? What happens? He's crucified. He's on the cross. And we see this, and on the surface, we're like, Jesus' prayer didn't work. He said, Lord, I don't want to go to the cross. Take the cross away from my future, and Jesus goes to the cross. But if you see, it is, it is sandwiched between other requests where he says, Father, if it is your will, Take this cup from me. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In this prayer where he is asking for the cross to be taken out of his future, to take the cup of suffering away from him, the, the cup was not removed, but in the process of prayer, Jesus became able to bear the cup of suffering. It says that an angel of the Lord came and strengthened him. And so often we find ourselves in a situation where we are praying for God to remove the cup of suffering, to take our, to change our situation, to change what's going on. And, and, and we aren't recognizing the fact that God is actually enabling us to bear the cup. 
God is actually changing us rather than our situation so that we can go into our household that is chaotic and, and, is, and is crazy and we can be the light of Jesus in our house. We are praying that God would, would remove uh, uh, an injury or, or an illness, but we're actually going to be able to walk with people who suffer the same way. We are praying that, that God would bring people around us that could, that could influence us for the kingdom and, and all of these things, and we feel like nobody's coming in, and you can be that person. That God is cr- building you up to be able to bear the cup that you're praying for God to take away. Because prayer changes you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, some of the best words ever written. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication. He says, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. The, the power comes from the request. It says, let your request be made known. The power doesn't always come with the answer. It comes before. We ask God, and he starts to move. He starts to work. Uh, I'm closing if the worship team wants to come up. And, and as we request, the peace of God, the things of God that surpass all understanding come in and start to change and to rearrange us. Sometimes, though, we can be caught in the tension of, of prayer changing things and prayer changing us. And, and, and we're like, I would rather God change things than change me. In Jesus' prayer, we see how we can kind of reconcile the two. Jesus, in both prayers, he says, he says your kingdom come, your will be done. He says, not my will, Lord, but your will. Prayer is the place where our will and God's will start to align themselves. If you are wondering about your future, like I don't know what my future is, take it to God in prayer. Make your request made known to God. And God will be able to change you. He will be able to give you certainty in your decision-making. And he will also be aligning your desires and God's desires to be the same thing. That we need to understand when we come to God in the, in the proper posture, recognizing that we, we have access to him. We have relationship to him. And we don't have relationship with a God that is just really, really nice and just a really, really good listener. But we have a relationship with a God who is separate and is holy and is, and is perfect and is powerful and is willing and able to change our situations. That we can request anything. And as we request, don't get frustrated and waiting for a response. Just sit and wait because maybe God's changing you. Maybe God's changing things, but more often than not, God's changing both. That God is, is working, and sometimes we can miss out on, on what God is doing and how God is working. But we need to turn our attention to God's answers. Our requests have the power to change situations. We pray to a relational God who wants to hear from us. 
We pray to a powerful God who is capable of helping us. And we pray to a gracious God who is willing to give us what we need and even what we want. So we just need to pray. We need to continue in prayer. We need to pray to God, our Father, who is seated on his heavenly throne, that we can walk into his room boldly, and we can ask whatever it is that we want, and we can wait for his response and understand that his response is better than what we asked for. So I encourage you guys, pray. Pray again. (laughs) Ask in faith. Ask again. Look for response. Be patient. Be persistent. Be annoying. Talk to God. Even when it feels like talking to yourself, point your attention to Jesus.